Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, 12 Stone, we are at the end of the creed. Yeah, the end. We've made it all the way through. Is there a little bit of awe? Oh, at the end. And, and here's the deal. Check this out. This is, this is what Jesus has told us. Jesus gave us clear teaching about eternal life. This is what we're going to discover about the end. Jesus has given clear teaching about eternal life so that we know how to live everyday life. Listen, you don't know how to live every day unless you understand eternity. That's why in 325 AD, the Nicene Council gathered together the early church. There was heresy, conflict. People didn't know. Now, what do we believe again? There's so much going on in culture then and today. It keeps changing truth. Oh, one day it's true, another day it's not. So what is the essence, the unchanging truth from the living God? And they took the essence of Scripture, consolidated it into the Nicene Creed. And this is the last line of the creed. We believe in the resurrection of the dead in the everlasting judgment of souls and bodies, and the kingdom of heaven, and in the everlasting life. Now let's just highlight some key words that we'll address. Resurrection, judgment, heaven. There's this progression that is beyond merely where we are on earth. And if, if, if we did kind of a modern satirical kind of approach to this, we would walk through it and put some pictures. So, so let's, just, let's just kind of get something of the progression from earth to resurrection, to judgment, to heaven, to hell. The scripture is telling us that here we are on earth, but there is a movement. And this movement, if you will, then goes to the next major event, resurrection, the next major event, judgment, the next major heaven or hell. And again, if it were satirical, then I would come back here and have to say, oh, you are here, just for those of you who are confused. Okay, here we are. You are here. Yay, good. We're on earth. But, but again, kind of that cheesy, oh, but then end times. And when end times come, the earth will be destroyed by fire. Next major event is the resurrection. And that is we all rise from the dead. A little cheesy, but it's coming. By the way, how many of you are scared of heights? Just out of curiosity. Anybody afraid of heights? Who would own it? My hand's up for a reason. Don't like it. It's not really the heights, it's the drop. But anyhow, <laughs> I had a friend literally uh, a couple weeks ago say, hey, do you want to go with us? What are you doing? He said, hey, we're, we're skydiving. I said, no, I don't want to do that. Jesus isn't in that. He said, literally, he says, well, pastor, where's your faith? Like, that's going to coax me in. Like, oh, you're going to intimidate me into this. Now I'm going to do it. You made me look dumb. Where's your faith? Besides, there's going to be a resurrection. I said, let me just clarify how this works. Skydiving is jumping down. Resurrection is going up. I'll be fine with the resurrection, okay? So I'm going to be okay with that. Next major event, judgment. And there's a lot of confusion as to what is and isn't happening. I promise you, it isn't Judge Judy. But a judgment is coming. And it's God Almighty, and 
Jesus describes for us what is happening. And then heaven and hell, and sometimes we put this satirical, oh, so it's angels and it's, you know, it's clouds, and then you're going to sing and choir on the clouds. And is that really what heaven is about? Well, some of it's true, some of it's not. And then there's there, then the eternal hellfire. We, and he, listen, you know what we tend to do? In our culture, we tend to do this kind of satirical mocking of what's coming at the end in order to take the sting out of the sobering truth of God's word. Because there is a sting in this that literally, for some who choose to dismiss God, you'll spend eternity in the greatest of sorrows separated from him. It is equally the greatest celebration for those who are drawn to him and surrender to him. It is the greatest of celebrations. <laughs> So now let's walk through it a bit more sincerely. Let's come back to this earth thing. We live on earth, and while it's fascinating to study the end times, and I wrote on some of it in the grown-up faith book, and if you're interested, you go read that. But here's the ultimate point of end times. Everybody dies. Everybody what? I couldn't hear you. Everybody what? Just, this is obvious, isn't it? So far, one out of every one has died. Chances are you will. And, some, if, and only one generation lives in the end times. So I know we get all caught up in the end times. Are we in the end times? And is COVID the end times? And is what's happening in the world the end times? It's great conversation. But just know this. If you're not in the end times, you're still going to what? Die. Everybody dies. And, and when we die on earth, it seals your eternity. Listen, listen. There's no second chance once you physically die. If you dismissed him here, you're separated forever. There's no praying you into heaven. There's no buying you into heaven. You're not in a better place, so they may say that at your funeral, if you did not trust Jesus and have your name in the Lamb's book of life. You have no hope after you die. If you did not trust Jesus, this is what he's telling us. It's why it's so sobering. Look what scripture tells us in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is Jesus teaching us. See, when you come to Jesus, people are like, hey, how come life isn't always better? Hang on. Jesus never promised heaven on earth. You do understand this. He did not promise. Like, oh, this should be awesome here. And now this should be heaven. This is not heaven. This is trouble. Sin, disease, sorrow, loss, death. He didn't save us here. That's not what he overcomes so that we have a better life on earth. In fact, I, I just want to make a statement because I think this is experientially true. Many people turn on God and forfeit heaven because they did not get heaven on earth. Many people so ticked at God. They say, you know what? God didn't give me heaven on earth. And you end up forfeiting heaven forever. This is serious business. Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. What does he mean? He means I've overcome sin and death. I gave my life. We talked about a communion. Then I rose from the dead to new life, and I conquered sin and death. There is a resurrection. So in this progression of major events, the next major event is resurrection. And by the way, we will all rise from the dead. Just so you know, everyone 
rises from the dead. This happens to all of us, whether you're in Christ or not. You will rise from the dead. If you will, up from the grave, it's going to happen. Because you didn't die eternally when you died physically. You have a soul. You will live on. There were religious leaders of Jesus' day called the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they, they kind of mocked Jesus. They said, oh, let's see. There's really no resurrection? Oh, got a question for you. When a man marries, what if he marries another and another and another and another? And then when he gets to heaven, who's his wife, huh? Like, that doesn't make any sense, does it, Jesus? See, your resurrection idea up there doesn't make any sense. And here's what Jesus said in response to them in Matthew. You are in error in what, everybody? You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't understand scripture. You haven't studied. You're not making sense. It talks about the resurrection. And you don't understand the power of God to accomplish what he said he can do. In other words, you're taking things on earth and projecting them in heaven. And it's the other way around. This is a matchbox. It's, by the way, a Corvette. My grandsons love matchboxes, and I love to buy them. This is one of them they play with, and they just drive the car around, and it's fantastic. Can you imagine my little two-year-old who get a grandson, like Braden, says, oh, Corvette, Corvette, and he pushes it around. Can you imagine him telling me, well, there can't be a big real one of these because you could never fit in it. You'll catch on in just a minute. You never fit in it. There can't be a gas pedal. It can't go 100 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour. Why? Because I make this thing go. Listen, you don't understand a car with a matchbox. You understand a matchbox from a real car. Do you see the difference? Heaven is the source, not earth. This is just matchbox down here. You can't take what's happening down here and project it in heaven, make all the sense of heaven. A resurrection is happening. We're going to rise from the dead. Everyone. And when we rise from the dead, we face judgment. By the way, just so we're clear on this, it does not matter what you believe. What you believe doesn't change what's true. It just changes you and how you live. But what Jesus taught is that a judgment is coming. And this continues to get sobering. So, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. That's, if you will, what we refer to as hell. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, or often referred to as the Lamb's book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Boy, this is fun, isn't it? Hasn't this just, how you want to high five your neighbor and say, man, this is really good stuff. Love what he's going after here. Woo. Listen, we're not just playing church. Eternity is on the line. I'm not just showing up on the weekend because I had nothing to do. Showing up online at your convenience. What are we doing here? The church is not just some organization gathering of people. The church is the people whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. 
We've been restored to God through the work of Jesus. We celebrate communion in the sacrament because we've been made whole through him. We now have our name in the book of life, and this is everything. This is the most important thing on earth. The most important. I mean, there, there, it isn't COVID. It isn't the vaccine. It isn't what's happening economically. It isn't the politics. Men and women, the most important thing happening on earth is not your career. It's not education. It's not what's in your bank account or what's not. It's not what you fear. Not, the biggest thing happening on earth is, is your name in the book of life? Do you know Jesus? That, do, do you? Do you know him? Is your name in the book? Because nothing else really matters. People call the church irrelevant. Perhaps the most irrelevant thing on earth is to call the church irrelevant. Now, maybe the church is irrelevant when we make priority of everything but Jesus. Maybe. But communion is the most relevant thing happening on earth. Because you get forgiven. Baptism is the most relevant thing on earth. Because you lay back in the water and surrender to Christ symbolically. Symbolically cleansed by the water. Come up out of baptism. Celebration. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh my gracious. Is there anything more important? See Jesus talked about. He called it the prodigal son. Or we call it that. A son who leaves his father. An earthly story. And dismisses his father and goes his own way and does whatever he wants and finds out it's a dead end life and hell on earth and then decides he needs to come back to his father though he don't think his father would ever forgive him when he comes back he discovers the love of his father to give him a ring and make him part of the family again and restore him and then he threw a party he threw a what everybody I can't hear you he threw a what because it's a party. Heaven throws a party. It celebrates even one coming to the kingdom. And Jesus says, by the way, that's the love of God for you. FYI. By the way, Jesus doesn't send people to hell. You send yourself. He didn't come to condemn you. You condemn yourself when you dismiss him. It is not his choice. It is yours. He loves you so much. He did everything for you. So when he tells the story of God's love, by the way, you wonder where we're going to go the next two weeks. Sidebar. We're going to talk about love in a culture that is so redefined love. That if you applied it to the church and Jesus, Jesus is a hypocrite. If you use modern day love terms. And we have so mismanaged and redefined love that we don't even know what love means. And now we don't even bring into life the church and all its power. We're going to talk about the next couple of weeks. But restored. The son was restored. Made whole. Brought into the kingdom. Heaven. Now, I've just walked through this earth resurrection judgment judgment who nobody wants to talk about that but it's true now we get to talk about heaven only I'm going to tag team and in deference to my friend Trey come on up here Trey I'm going to let Trey have the heaven piece so you're welcome you're welcome brother you get to have the fun piece spend the next I told you like you get 18 minutes talk about anything you can tell us in 18 minutes on heaven I'll back up I'll come back and wrap it up you have fun with the fun stuff I'll try I'll try yeah, we're barely going to scratch the surface on what heaven is, but, but here's what I think we can do. I believe our hope for heaven can grow. I believe our excitement for heaven can grow because it's our goal to see heaven as tangible and real as it is in the Bible, knowing that there's much that we're not going to understand about heaven until we get there. 
So let's start here. Let's start with what heaven is not. Heaven is not just a state of mind. It's, it's more than that. It's not just ethereal or conjecture. It's not just spirit. It, it's more than that. It's not just an idea or a myth or, or pie in the sky thinking. Heaven is also not boring. There's there, maybe you have images in your mind of long robes and choirs, though, if you like robes and choirs, we might have a little bit of that there. Maybe you have an image of softly playing harps and organs while sitting on the edge of clouds. I don't know if we're going to have that there or not, but, but maybe. I think that's a little bit more of a picture from like a Christian bookstore coffee mug than the biblical picture of heaven. And, and, and by the way, uh, when you die, uh, we don't become angels. Angels are angels. Uh, we will be resurrected, restored, recreated humans, and that will be beautiful in and of itself. You know, heaven is not for everyone, though everyone could be in heaven. Not everyone will trust in Jesus and be there because heaven is reserved as the home for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, and only in that. So if you placed your faith in Jesus, here's a snapshot of what heaven is. Heaven is a literal, tangible place, 1 Corinthians 15. You'll feel it. You'll sense it. You'll touch it. We'll have physical bodies in heaven. Heaven is also a future destination in Hebrews 11 and 13. It's an actual location. You will be there. Heaven is also paradise in Luke 23 and in Revelation 2. And heaven is also beautiful beyond imagination. Revelation 21 is one of those passages of scriptures that begin to talk about heaven as, as streets of gold and walls of jasper and sea of crystal. And that there'd be no need for the sun because the glory of God is all the light that is needed to illuminate the city of God. Heaven will be endlessly entertaining, exciting, fulfilling, and satisfying. But the pinnacle of what heaven will be is, is how the word is most often used in scripture. The word heaven literally means the very home of God. And we will actually be with God. Most theologians actually, kind of as a side note, they don't believe the current location of heaven is going to be the eternal location for heaven. The Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and what's broken and been destroyed here on earth will be redeemed and glorified in future glory. So heaven will actually be the new earth. Cool, cool, right? But we can't get lost in those details. Remember, our goal today is to see heaven is tangible. And I was recently reminded of how sweet the reality of heaven is. I'd love to introduce you to a woman named Selena and her daughter, Aubrey. Selena is kind, hardworking, sweet, loves Jesus so much, committed to her daughter, her family, and her church. She was a group leader at the Snellville campus, volunteered on multiple volunteer teams, uh, teams in, in grad school to become a counselor, always ready to greet you with the sweetest smile. She loved Jesus so much. I officiated Selena's funeral yesterday. The 37-year-old single mom who fought cancer over the past year and her life on earth ended on May 9th. And we grieved that loss with her 10-year-old daughter, Aubrey, and 
we gathered to celebrate her life yesterday. We were able to talk about how she, how she walked from this life into eternity. And I met with her a couple of times. And in her frail, weak state, there was hope. And there was confidence. In fact, she kind of worshipped her way into heaven. There were four or five songs that her family would just play over and over and over again when she was in hospice care for those last couple of weeks. And because of Jesus, heaven is no longer an idea for Selena. It's a reality. And if Selena were to come here and step onto this stage and speak to you, I think she would, she would say exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, for me to live is Christ, which to live is good because I get to live like Jesus, but to die is gain. How is death gain? Only if heaven is tangible, real, and ready for us. And so I'd love to, to dig into that. So as we move forward, we're going to unpack four truths about heaven. The first is this, that heaven is a home prepared for you. John chapter 14, Jesus speaking, he says this, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you will also be where I am. Don't, don't miss the beauty and the, and the love of this. That Jesus is preparing a room for you. That heaven is being prepared for you and I. Quick poll in the room. How many of you enjoy having guest people over to your house? How many of you, as I begin to talk about it, you stress out just a little bit because you hate having people over at your house, having to be hospitable, clean up, take care of all those details. You're not sure if your house looks just right, and so it stresses you out to have people over. I think HDTV has ruined us with their standards. <laughs> it's that something kind of weird in our culture. In fact, there's, uh, there's actually kind of a new phobia that's popping up in mental health circles. I kid you not. That's referred to as Joannaphobia. Where do I get that from? You know, the, the, the show that you all love, Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines. The, the phobia kind of centers on this idea that, that what if I don't have the, the coolest house? What if I don't have enough, uh, you know, shiplap up my walls and refurbish barn wood and, and uh, my house doesn't look cool enough and it's not clean and perfect. And so we get nervous and anxious about having people over because we don't know if we can prepare for them. That's, that's kind of stuck in some of us. But that's not how it is in heaven, because Jesus has prepared a home for us, and he's not nervous about us coming over, because you won't be a guest in heaven. You'll belong there because it will be your home. Heaven is a home prepared for us, but heaven is also the fulfillment of our deepest longing. What do you long for? What do you really desire? Maybe it starts with a few simple things. We long for, for good food, for vacation. We long for our sports teams to win. We long for a better job. We long for, for more money, for, for close friends. Fill in the blank. What do you long for? You know, but here's what's interesting about desire. Our desires are always tied to something deeper than what appears on the surface. I'll show you. Uh, a vacation, we desire rest. A better job, maybe purpose. More money, maybe security and pleasure. Yet the practical fulfillment of our desires often leaves us still longing. So think about vacation. You get a vacation, you go on it, you come back, and you're what? 
still tired. You begin to strive to earn more money and you think that's going to satisfy, but just look at the wealthiest people in the world and they're still unfulfilled. You think about getting that job or the promotion that you've been working so hard for and you get the job, you get the promotion and it doesn't take long before you are stuck again. Why, why is it this way? It's because our desires, the things that we feel, security, purpose, pleasure, the things that we need, rest, celebration, those desires are deeper than anything that this world has to offer. This world cannot satisfy our deepest desires. And, and so what does that mean for us? C.S. Lewis, a famous author and theologian, uh, he actually believes that human desire is proof for the reality of heaven. He actually wrote this once. I think it says it so well. If I find in myself a desire, so we have desires. If I find in myself desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, I must only conclude that I was not made for this world. This world doesn't fully satisfy us because you and I were not made for this world. You were made for heaven to be in the presence of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not going to have joy and happiness in this life. It just means that the joy and happiness of this life is just a shadow of the joy and the happiness that's going to come. First Corinthians chapter two beautifully says this. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, so heaven will be beyond our wildest imagination. Creation's beauty heightened, pleasures strengthened, limitations removed. The Bible teaches that, that all things will be glorified in heaven, that we will live in a completely healed version of the good things that we have here on earth. Like imagine the things that you already love glorified. Like what does a glorified Hawaii look like? Like if we, if this is the cursed version, what's the glorified version? Imagine your, your, your favorite meal glorified. Like I can't wait to eat at a glorified waffle house. Like it's going to be that good. Or, or, or glorified ice cream or, or, or a glorified sunset or a glorified mountain range. There'll be, there'll be a football stadium where the Atlanta Falcons never lose. And, and, and Tom Brady just weeps in the corner uh, on the sideline. So that may not be, that'll just be, that'll just be justice if, if that happens. But, but what about this glorified rest? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally rest. We're tired, aren't we? Many of you feel exhaustion in life, the weight of the world on your shoulders. Charles Spurgeon, another famous author and pastor, he said that his favorite version of heaven is to think about it as a land of rest. He said this in a sermon almost 200 years ago, toil, trouble, travail, and labor are words that cannot be spelled in heaven. They have no such things there, for they always rest. Your deepest longings will be fulfilled in heaven. And then in heaven, there's a promise greater than our pain. A promise greater than our pain. This, this life has sickness, pandemics, 
racism, hunger, broken relationships, financial struggle, and bitterness. All of these things are directly caused by the presence of sin and the chaos of the fall. Pain, pain characterizes the human experience because nothing is as it should be. Sin has brought ruin to God's creation. But the promise of heaven is the restoration of what's been broken and the redemption of our pain. The Apostle Paul said it like this beautifully in a letter to the Corinthian church. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Saying, this world is difficult. You're going to experience pain. I get it, but don't lose heart. Why? Though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. By, by what? We're being renewed day by day by this hope. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Heaven. Achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There will be no more bad things in heaven. Because of Jesus, pain is momentary and glory is eternal. So no more bad things in heaven. No more traffic or lawn weeds or dirty dishes or laundry or alarm clocks or stubbing your toe or homework. No more mosquitoes, gnats, roaches, or spiders. Yeah, yeah, you're, amen. Uh, you have to, don't, don't, don't check my theology on those. I'm just guessing. But there'll be no more chronic illness or pain. No more cancer or chemo. No more aging or body aches, no more viruses, infections, or injuries, no depression or anxiety, no orphans or widows. There'll be no need for medicine, hospitals, or funeral homes. As one pastor once said, in heaven, all sad things will come untrue. What a promise. What a promise. But the sweetest truth about heaven is that the unveiled presence of God is there. The unveiled presence of God, perhaps the most beautiful words in all of the Bible, the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, five simple words. They will see his face. Face to face with God. Literally in his presence. No more distance, no more guessing, no wandering, no question asking. In this moment, just with God, literally right there with us, our worship will be completely full. We will sing with the angels an eternal hallelujah of holy, holy, holy. He'll have our undistracted, undivided worship, and it will be more sweet and amazing than anything we've ever experienced. Face to face with God, his presence unveiled. In Revelation 21, we get this picture of heaven, kind of all of this kind of summed up, and I'd love for you to to picture this with me. Sit in Revelation 21 with me as if it is going to be your reality. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This picture of heaven where eternity, heaven's duration has no end. Not an ounce of sorrow or curse or darkness or sickness or death. Our bodies will be made perfect. There won't even be a limp allowed into heaven. A place where worship is unending, life is eternal, joy overflowing, and love abundant. A party like no other. A heavenly wedding where us, the bride of Christ, sit again at Jesus' table. Endless smiles, laughter, peace, excitement, entertainment, kindness. A grand reunion where every Christian across all of time from every race, tribe, tongue, and nation are finally united as one eternal family. See, all things are beautiful in heaven, stunning, captivating, and completely satisfying. There is no sin in heaven. There's no alcoholism or addiction. There are no war or enemies. No harm done from one person to another. No us versus them. No one despised or hated. No politics or bitterness or complaining. No one marginalized, abandoned, or lonely. There's no poverty or lack. There's no stress, worry, fear, or shame. There's no striving. There's no exhaustion. There's no homelessness. For our very home will be with God himself, and the nail-pierced hands of Jesus will be the very hands that grab your face and wipe away the tears from your eyes. This. This. This is heaven. And this is your invitation. Because of Jesus, you are welcome here. And when we begin to see heaven as literal and tangible, as an actual place that you would go when this life ends, it changes how you live in this life. I think about Selena. As we were preparing for her celebration of life over the past couple of weeks, there was a phrase about her that just kept coming up. It was a phrase that she used often. We actually printed it on the program of her at the funeral. A phrase that said, may the life I live speak for me. She lived a life where she knew that her citizenship was in heaven. Her hope was in heaven. And so while here, she was going to build the kingdom of God. In the last few weeks of her life, she, she, she demonstrated that in a few ways. It just so humbled me. I had a conversation with her mom a few days after Selena passed, and she told me a story. A week before Selena passed, she was weak and frail. She could hardly speak, but she was able to muster the strength to ask for her phone. She asked for her phone, and come to find out later that she had pulled up the 12-stone app on her phone and had tithed a week before her death. Did she have to do that? Absolutely not. Was that expected from us or God? No, absolutely not. But it showed that she was building the kingdom of God here and expecting to be in the kingdom of God in just a few minutes. And so that's where she was going to store up her treasure in heaven. There was another story of one time she got her calendar mixed up and she was in Brunswick visiting family over the weekend and she was supposed to come back and volunteer at the campus that Sunday morning. And that night before, she's like, I'm going. And she packs her bags, getting ready to leave at 4 a.m. to drive back to church to volunteer because that's where her heart was. I'm here in this life to make a difference so that other people can join me in heaven. See, when heaven is real and tangible, it affects how you live this life. And on May 9th, when Selena died, I picture this moment. 
And we get these words from Matthew chapter 25 where Selena stepped into eternity. And our heavenly father looks at her and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into the joy of the Lord. I look forward to the day when I hear those words from my heavenly father and I pray that they would also be true of you. And when you die and you step into eternity, heaven on the horizon, that you would hear the loving voice of our heavenly father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into the joy of the Lord. That's a snapshot of heaven. I'd love to invite Kevin back out. And we have so much more that we could share about heaven, but we pray that that encourages you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's... As good as that was, we should redo this. Thank you, God, for imagining heaven, building it, promising to it to us. How many would not say, thank you, Jesus? I mean, that's where the celebration. Absolutely. You know, my mom's in heaven. My brother's uh, in heaven with the Lord. Selena is. Uh, we talked about her story in the past couple of weeks. And... Um, and we celebrate with her, church. I also know that there is something of a, a pull in our heart that while she's in heaven and she gets to celebrate, uh, Aubrey, her 10-year-old, is here. That's rough. Uh, could we take a moment? Would you just pray over Aubrey wherever you are? At one of the live campuses, uh, 12 Stone Home, online. Would you take a moment and offer a prayer over her? She's moving uh, to Brunswick with extended family and um, I know there's not a lot we can do for her. I do want you to know that I shared this story, Trey, with some 12 Stone family. I know you know the story and and they were just captivated. They said, what can we do? A uh, good idea came up. Really felt like a God idea, not for an act of obedience, uh, but um, several are putting together um, a considerable college fund for her so that when she goes to college down the road, she'll be in a great place and, and God can um, provide for that, just a little church family thing. Would you pray with me over Aubrey? Heavenly Father, we celebrate that someday we get to be with you. Selena is with you. How glorious. We pray over Aubrey. Uh, how difficult that is. Lord, would you comfort that 10-year-old in a way that only you could? Would you give her a sense of your presence uniquely and distinctly over her life in a way that none of us could even comprehend how you would do that, but you have peace that passes understanding? Would you knit her in the family? Would you give her fresh friendships? Would you give her a great experience at school? Would you draw her deeply to you? Would you call her to yourself? Would you make yourself known and give her courage against temptation over her teenage years ahead? Would you grow her into the young lady you destined her to be by your grace and your kindness? Would would you let her be on earth what her mom was in many respects, a fully devoted follower of you? Do mighty things for that little girl whom you love deeply. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thank you, Trey. Great encouragement. That's heaven. In fact, let's go right back and we'll wrap it up. 
what, what are we talking about? We wanted to give you the full scope on the creed that heaven is, is our future home, thank God. But you back that up and you know that we're going to face judgment and that's sobering and we, we're not skipping the weight of that in this conversation. You back it up and resurrection is coming to us all and you back that up and you come to earth and that's why when Trace talking about Selena or any of us, you live on earth with the awareness that you're going to heaven. It changes the way you do life here every day because you're anticipating eternity. And that is why we gather together as a church and we worship God and we connect with him and, and we live with Christ first. It's why our character and our morality and our ethics is adjusted to in this discipleship, this surrender to Christ. Make us holy as you're holy. It's why it transforms the way we treat people and love people and value people. It changes the way we do work and manage money and give money and save money. And it changes who we give the glory to. We don't live for ourselves or selfish ambition. It changes everything. Thing on earth here and now. And that's why we are missional as a church to see people who are far from God come to know Jesus. Listen, I know we're, we're coming out of this, this COVID season and I, I, I want to say this delicately, but the worst thing that happened in COVID is not the hundreds of thousands of people that died. Stay with me. That physically died. It's anyone who died that did not know Jesus. It's the greatest tragedy church. You got to get this in your heart and your soul. We exist in great part to tell people who are far from God that he loves them. They matter to him. And Jesus made a way to heaven. Amen. It's who we are. It's what we do. Let me just tell you one example of that. The 12 stone home over in Lawrenceville. Um, Jose and Senny were traveling, passing through. Lawrenceville and they stopped at the Boulder Creek coffee shop on a Sunday morning just to get coffee. They didn't know it was a 12 stone home location or why it was open. <laughs> Can you imagine that moment? <laughs> what? They gave him some free coffee, invited him to hang out and they did. That was several weeks ago. And they got drawn in to the love of God. The truth of Jesus, this conversation in the creed, what is unchanging truth? And then since have bowed to Jesus Christ, now have their name in the book of life and today are being baptized at Boulder Creek as part of the celebration. Come on, isn't that a beautiful thing? Congratulations. All of heaven celebrates with you. And that's in great part what we're doing today. Today is a party. It's a celebration. We celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate baptism for any and all who have not been baptized and would love to be. We sometimes call it open baptism. I mean, you're invited in. You didn't have to pre-plan. We planned for you. And with that, we're going to have a bit of a party after the service at each campus, at many of the 12 stone homes. It's going to be a lot of fun, a great time with open baptism happening outdoors. Cool stuff. What is a baptism? We talked about it last week. We told you in anticipation, but let me just remind you, it is an outward sign, symbol of an inward work that God is doing in you. And that baptism, the water represents cleansing. And when you go back in the water, it's dying to Christ. When you come up out of the water, it's a resurrection to new life in Christ. Steve showed us a baptism last week with Corey. Let me just remind you a few seconds. When we say you're invited to baptism today, it's this. Here are the questions. Here's what a baptism looks Have like. Have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. 
that it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we all celebrate us from scripture, Jesus says, when one comes into the kingdom, all of heaven celebrates. That is a party. Every baptism today is a celebration across the campuses and, and 12 stone home. So let me tell you what we're going to do and, and a bit of how it works. Some of you came prepared today to be baptized at a 12-stone home or, or, or one of the live campuses. This is going to be awesome. We will go outside and we'll celebrate with you. Some of you did not come prepared to be baptized, but you are a follower of Christ. You have been for weeks or for months or years, and you've never gone public. And listen, this Holy Spirit is stirring you right now as we talk. He's stirring in you. He's saying, this is your day. Don't put this off anymore. It's an act of obedience. You're like, oh. I sense that I need to honor him in this, and I've not been baptized, and I'm not prepared. Good news, we prepared for you. So we got to change the clothes and the towel. You can get it done. We'll tell you how in a moment. Some of you, some of you have been on the fence. You haven't said yes to Jesus. Your name is not in the book of life. And you can settle that today, right now. Look, no fanfare. Either the Holy Spirit's drawing you or he's not. Either you're going to surrender or you're not. But bow your heads. Let me tell you all that Jesus did to make this possible so that what you do is surrender. Right now, you can whisper your prayer. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. It, there's no magic in the prayer. It's what he made possible. You just whisper to him right now. If you're online, you're 12 stone home, you're at a campus, just whisper to him. You're in the car, wherever you're hearing this teaching. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Tell them, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Write my name in the book of life. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then get baptized today. Right, church? No time like the present. You can do that right. You can do it today. The campus pastors will give you details and tell you how, and, and, and we're prepared for you. And, and if you can't, you're like, I, there's no way I can get that done today, but I know I need to be baptized. Well, then just text baptized to 37748. Just text baptism 37748. We'll hook you up. We'll set you up. We'll set it up so that you can do it. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you walk along the path. Listen, God has promised heaven and made a way through Jesus, and it is a party. So we are going to party today. Now, how does this whole baptism happen? Well, let me turn over to campus pastors, and they'll give you the directions. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.